You're listening to the Sunday podcast from Life Point Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. So who am I? I'm Pastor Blake. We've, we've got a lot of new, new faces and new families that are coming to the church. Uh, they let me up here about three or four times uh, a year, so, uh, so I'm delighted to be up here. If you're at home with us, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Um, I've been a pastor here for seven years. Uh, me and my family have been at LifePoint Church since 2004, uh, when LifePoint had its very first service in September of 2004. So this is my home. I love LifePoint Church. I love Santan Valley. I love this area. I love the people. And uh, I'm honored and by God's uh, mercy am and, and able uh, to be a minister here. I have a wife. We've been married since 2003. And I've got three boys, uh, ages 15, 15, and 14. And that's two learner's permits that are now in, in my household. My responsibilities here at the church, and I, I want to share this because Paul shares his testimony, what, what he is a minister uh, to. I'm over the men uh, here at the church, the men's ministry, uh, men's retreat, August 19th through the 21st. Um, with, yeah, there we go. One guy's going. There's one guy going. I need more guys to go. Uh, the marriage ministry, the one thing that gets attacked the most are marriages. We saw that in Genesis, didn't we? Adam and Eve. The enemy came right in to divide and separate. And so this fall, we want to uh, relaunch marriage mentoring. Uh, we tried uh, before COVID uh, uh, with uh, Joe and Kim Pierce. They're actually uh, here. They, they launched marriage mentoring. Uh, COVID hit. Uh, life hit in, in their household. Um, Kim Pierce is battling uh, cancer, so please be praying for, uh, for their family. But if God speaks to you and, 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 and you want to shed light, be a light for, for marriages, come talk to me. We, we want to relaunch this effort in the fall. I'm over life groups, so if you're part of a group out in the community or, or here uh, in, in the church, I shepherd over that. That's one of the best ways to impact your, your neighborhood and your community. Our desires to grow, to have more small groups. And so if that's on your heart, come talk to me. Our benevolence ministry. You guys were cheering for tithes and offerings, weren't you? It's because of you that, that LifePoint Church were able to be benevolent. We're able to give. We're able to ease the pain and stress of someone late on, on, on a water bill. Or, or to help cover some of their, their rent to get them through the next month. That's because of you. In hospitality, you guys mostly see me on Sundays kind of running around the lobby. Uh, if you've been hugged by Nancy or Tess on a Sunday morning, um, that is part of the hospitality team. Uh, now, if you sign up for hospitality, I do not train you to hug. That is just Nancy and Tess just chasing people because they want to give out hugs. And the last ministry that, that I'm over, and I've been a part of this ministry for 10 years, is Paladin Sports Outreach. Uh, we, we've mentioned Paladin here at the church uh, a few times uh, over uh, the years. Uh, it's a ministry that was birthed in LifePoint Church in 2008, and it started with a free soccer clinic that had 30 kids. Now, 2008 in Santan Valley, 
didn't have any sports and recreation. And so this idea uh, was started, free clinic, 30 kids, and, and now we're on an annual basis serving about 4,000 kids every single year with this ministry. Uh, we've become uh, a large team. Uh, we, Paladin is Christian-based, and we share the gospel in a visible way. You can see right there on the back of the, the jersey, uh, Psalm 710, that's our organizational verse. Uh, my shield is God most high, who saves the upright in heart. You can see on the hat, our logo is a shield. We pray with the kids at practice and at the games, and our coaches teach character traits, integrity, respect, kindness at the practices, and they attach Bible passages that confirm those character traits. So those are the three main ways that we share the gospel. Now here, here's the realness and here's the deal. I've been out, out on the fields a ton, and I've been in front of 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids and when you ask them about what's on the back of their shirt, a lot of them don't even know how to pronounce it, and a lot of them don't even know what it is. They don't know that it's a Bible verse. And I've asked kids, who is Jesus? And they don't know who Jesus is. They've never heard the name Jesus Christ. That's real. That's real here in America. Decades past, we all grew up at least hearing the name of Jesus or hearing about Christianity, even if you didn't attend church. But if you don't attend church, if a child hasn't been to a Saturday or Sunday service, they're not hearing the name of Jesus. And so that's, that's the power and impact of, of this ministry, is, is, is we're just trying to share the gospel to kids and even families who've never heard the gospel. Now here's a cool thing and why I'm bringing this up is LifePoint and Paladin, our relationship continues to grow, continues to build. Santan Valley is 100,000 people, you guys know this, that it continues to grow, more homes, car washes, storage facilities continue to pop up in, in, in Santan Valley. So we've got stuff and we're super clean, which is awesome. But here, here, here's, here's the deal. Uh, we're unincorporated, which means there's no programs, there's no resources, there's no parks and recreation department. Now, for every town or city, for every 25,000 people, there's supposed to be a public park with ball fields um, and soccer fields and multi-purpose fields, splash pads, all of those things. There's zero in Santan Valley. We have our HOA parks, but those are off-limits. So it's been our heart and desire for uh, a long time, since 2008, to bring something to Santan Valley. One, to continue the ministry, and two, to offer a place for families and kids to go and have sports and recreation. Well, El Dorado Land Holdings Company, which is the largest landholder in Arizona, they're a Christian-based company. They're doing a project, Bella Vista Farms, and that's just north of Post and Butte High School and they're building a new community, new homes, and each spot that they um, develop, they always put a, a school and a church in a development. And so they were doing the same thing with Bella Vista. 
they got word of, of our organization and, and what we're doing uh, out here in Santan Valley. So we met with them and presented to them a hybrid church plant sports ministry model. So instead of something that's just your traditional church plant, we wanted to plant a sports facility, parks and recreation, uh, a multi-purpose gym. It's tough to see with this, with this uh, drawing. Um, but a facility that not only did sports and ministry, but did church, and that's where LifePoint comes in. And, and we just submitted a joint proposal, LifePoint and Paladin, June 8th, because they sent something out uh, to the valley. So multiple churches and schools and organizations submitted a proposal uh, to, to win the deal. And so we're, we're one of those. So we need your prayers because we want to win. And we want to build this facility. Yeah, we can clap. And, and the goal is to expand the ministry. We have the verse. We're praying with kids. We're teaching character traits. But with this facility, we want to start doing church on Saturdays. On Saturdays, we have 500 families and kids come play sports. We want to do church. We want to put a church service right in the middle of those games. We want to expand on, on, on worship nights. We did worship night here uh, at, at the church. We want to expand on that. We want Joe and his team to, to, to be here and invite it to the entire community. We want to do Bible studies, classes, VBS to the entire community. We want that 4,000 number to increase to 8,000, to 12,000, and just be a light right here in Santan Valley. So that's the update with Paladin uh, it's an amazing ministry. Uh, we have a dedicated uh, team, and, and it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to jump into the Word. Is that cool? All right. Okay. All right. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you're doing. We can shout out with joy and praise. We trust in your Word. Our confidence grows in your Word. Father, we pray for your Spirit to fill this room, to convict us. To, to hear, then do. Words and actions to share the good news of the gospel. Father, thank you for the work that you're doing. May we continue to die to self and grow in spirit. And we say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to get through verses 1 through 18. And what this is, this is Paul's testimony to the church on why he continues to move forward, why he is resilient. In spite of every obstacle that, that you can think of, because Paul experiences every obstacle that you can think of from imprisonment, beatings, riots, sleepless nights, hunger, on why he is resilient and continues to move forward. And it's an, an encouragement to the people of Corinth to continue to move forward and why you would move forward. So let's jump in. Chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Got to stop right there because he says, therefore. So what's in chapter 3? He references the ministry of Moses and the Old Covenant and that the law was written on stone and that was done away with. And we have a new covenant which is the covenant of the Holy Spirit brought to us by the death, life, and resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. So that's what he is referencing when he says, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So he's already addressing burnout. He's saying, I don't lose heart. He's talking about his heart. That's in reference because everything is crushing his body. Everything's crushing his body. He has every reason to quit, but he presses forward. Because of this ministry of the Holy Spirit, through God's mercy, he doesn't lose heart. Moving on. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he he talks about what you can do instead, how you won't lose heart. One, he says you can't live and lead a double life. So what Paul had to do is he had to renounce his past life, his shameful ways, anything that was of secret, he had to renounce. One of the quickest ways to to burn out is leading a double life, having a secret life. Having shame that you haven't washed away and repented of and moving forward off of that. That's why lately you're seeing so many pastors and leaders falling away, leading a double life. And a double life stems from having desires and expectations that don't align with God. If you have any desires of the world, if you have any expectations or results that you're looking for, hoping for, that don't line up with the will of the Father, that's what you'll pursue while also trying to carry the burden and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your respective mission field. That, that will lead to burnout. That's a double life. That's having desires and expectations that aren't fully aligned with God. Tony Evans, uh, Pastor Tony Evans, I I, I love following him. I love listening to him. He simply said, your calling is serving in the right seat. When you look to God and say, God, I, I, I seek your will. I seek your purpose. And you allow for, for his calling to be upon you. That's joy and peace, no matter what is going on. And that can continue day by day by day without experiencing burnout. Tony Evans says burnout is serving in the wrong seat. And that that can happen easily if you put yourself in front of the Holy Spirit. You've probably experienced this. Pastors experience this in a way where there's a need at the church and it's not filled, and so we'll put that hat on. Leaders and elders are the same. Volunteers. You'll put on a hat and you'll start to experience fatigue and exhaustion and burnout till ultimately you'll step down. You'll quit. That's serving in the wrong seat. But when you see it, when you see that there's a need and no one has stepped up, you, you want to put that hat on. 
But what you might be doing is preventing the Spirit from working and moving someone into that seat. You probably do this at work, right? When tasks and responsibilities have to happen and you're covering for people who aren't doing it, who are supposed to be doing it, does that lead to happiness in your life? No, it leads to burnout. You want to quit. Frustration. Relationships with family. You're the rescuer. You're covering for everybody. You're trying to keep everything together. You just throw your hands up. You're burned out. You're burned out. Let's keep moving forward. Verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Christ. That's beautiful. One, one simple message right there. He's talking about the enemy. He's talking about Satan. The one message that Satan is trying to deliver to us is that of self. That's the veil. To those who can't see the beauty of the gospel, that's the veil, is the message of self. What Paul's saying here is our message has to be completely opposite than that of self. Completely selfless. One of humility. One of displaying only the light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's frustrating, it's challenging because we want to save, we want to share the good news. But someone who only sees self who's being reigned by the supremacy of Satan, they won't see the beauty in selfless, will they? They won't see the, the, the beauty in humility. The only thing that they can see is that at some point, is self is misery. And when they reach that state, and you've shown them the joy and peace and hope in humility, and being selfless and that of Jesus Christ, they'll be drawn to it. So none of your words and actions can reflect self at all. And that's where the truth is plain and simple. So when you try to water down your faith, especially in, in, in these times, so you don't offend people, you don't cause controversy, it, it, it backfires. You, you actually end up losing respect. There's an old story told of King John of England when he was closely pressed uh, by the barons in war. He wrote to the emperor of Morocco and he offered to turn to Muhammad. King John was a Christian. And take an oath of allegiance to him if he would send an army to help him. And it is said that ever after, the emperor of Morocco ab abhorred and detested the very name of John. For he said he must be an abominable miscreant to be willing to change his religion for the sake of gain. Yeah, I, I had to look up miscreant. 
I had no idea what that meant. Disgusting criminal is, is what it meant. So the emperor of Morocco, a follower of Islam, had an opportunity to have the king of England and the country of England turn towards his religion and faith. But he denied, and he was so angered that someone would deny their religion for the sake of personal gain. A double life, secret and shameful ways. So our lifestyle reflects the testimony to Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, Ah, my brethren, brethren, we never gain any respect, even from the world, by seeking after it in this fashion. Be thoroughly honest, especially you who are in the Christian ministry. Be outspoken, blunt, and plain. And then, even if men's prejudices condemn you, their consciences will commend you for speaking what you believe to be the truth. That's how you press forward. That's how Paul is pressing forward in his ministry. Is no matter how the world is pressing in on him, he moves forward in truth. Verse 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry, carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we, are, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Treasures in jars of clay. Back then, jars of clay were, were essentially trash cans. Uh, that's where, where trash was kept. That's where uh, things were thrown away. Uh, because they would get nicked, they would get bent, they would get pressed in, and they would be a sore sight. So jars of clay were, were trash cans. And so Paul is relaying here that we're trash cans, making the church feel really good about themselves. But here's why. The, the lessness of the creature reveals more of the beauty of the creator. And so what's inside our spirit is what God wants to present and he uses jars of clay, us, to display this beauty. You think about your trash cans at your house. You put them in a spot that's unnoticed, unseen. They're just there, and they do one thing and one thing only for trash to go inside. There's no treasure, so don't go home and lift the lid. We're jars of clay. I, I have this picture when it's talking about the, the, the jars being uh, pressed in, surrounded, um, closing in. Remember in history class, or if you're on YouTube and, and you're looking up 
uh, empires of, of past and armies. They would have the color-coded uh, maps of, of the armies surrounding a country, and it would get closer and closer and, and closer. You know, that, that's what it feels like right now to, to us. As we're, we're in the middle there, and we're, we're surrounded by armies, by this new empire. Everyone is against us. It feels like companies, new policies, new ways, government, media, neighbors, friends, even other Christians, everything seems to be surrounding us right now and getting closer and closer and closer. There, you had two choices. If you were a country and you had armies surrounding you, you could either surrender and give up and conform, or you could fight till the end. And it's literally the, the, the two choices that, that we have. As, as everything seems to be closing in, we can get more quiet. We can stick our head in the sand to not offend. We can start to look more like the culture, what the world is presenting, so we're not cast out. So we have that choice to make as this jar of clay. But there's zero chance there's zero chance that we can serve God well and continue the fight unless you have a deeply rooted confidence in the truth of the gospel. That's the only way you would choose to continue to fight. Otherwise, you would succumb to the pressures of the outside world and you would give in. That's why we're seeing so many leaders and pastors fall away from the faith, renounce their faith. So how, how do we grow our roots deeper? Water grows the roots of plants deeper as we move forward. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. That's how our roots grow. I believe, therefore I speak. A plant only grows with water. What grows the roots of our faith stronger? Trials and challenges is what grows our faith stronger and stronger each and every day. And that builds up your confidence. Right? You gain confidence through, through practice and sweat if you're playing sports. Grow the roots of your faith stronger. Verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Suffering leads to grace. Grace leads to more and more people being reached. It's that simple. Thank you for these times, Father. 
Thank you for these hard times that we're experiencing. It's through these hard times that I'm growing in my faith and in spirit. And I'm a brighter light for those that are struggling during these hard times. We can thank him for these trials. It's this ministry of the Holy Spirit that Paul is talking about is what guides us, is, is what engages us in, in, into the lives of people who don't know Jesus. I, I, I coach. I, I coach a lot. I, I'm out on the fields a lot. Um, about a year ago, uh, another coach had several baseball players, and I had some players, and we kind of joined together. And so he brought a lot of his players over, and, and we started practicing and training and playing games uh, together. And, you know, he told me about one of the players he brought over who was uh, an amazing athlete, talented, probably the, one of the best players at age 10, 11, and 12, and 13. Um, this was a bunch of 14-year-olds when we formed the team uh, last year. Uh, but he said he's, he's been kind of acting differently. He's not as good of a, a player anymore. And I said, okay. And so we started this whole deal, started to, you know, practice, play games. And I noticed that, that he, he, there was something wrong with, with this kid. And he wasn't playing as well. And, and he had a bad attitude. And he had some character issues. And, and he was, you know, being a bad teammate. And... You know, I was trying to build a relationship uh, with him, but sort of had the, the stiff arm and wasn't having any of it. And we continued, months passed, uh, and started to unpack it a little bit more, started to, to find out more information. Some of that information was he was hanging out with the wrong crowd his freshman year. Hanging out with the wrong crowd, he started smoking marijuana and started doing all these different things, started getting in trouble at school. And I was like, ah, Okay, there, there's one of the reasons why we've got a different kid than uh, what I've heard about uh, before. And here's the other thing. As I unpacked it more, gathered more information, is his parents allowed him to be whoever he wanted to be. So years ago, they told him, they said, hey, you do you. You, you do whatever you want to do. That sounds fun to a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kid, doesn't it? You just do whatever you want to do. Stay up late, video games, eat whatever, hang out with whatever, with whoever. But then the trouble happened his freshman year, and he got caught at school with, with drugs, and, and it all started to unfold. When he got in trouble, guess what? His parents didn't care. They didn't care. They said, hey, you... You do you. you. You do whatever you want to do. Lead the life that you want to live. So what he thought was fun for all these years to be able to, to live however, have tons of fun, now hurt. Because when he got in trouble, he found out no one in his life cared. So that spiraled him out of control even more. To the point of about a month ago, he had a complete meltdown on the field, cursing, Throwing a, throwing a fit, temper tantrum. Had to pull him out of the game. And the other coach who brought him was, was done. He's like, we, we've got to cut him. This can't happen. And that's where I stood too. I was like, yeah, after about a year, like, man, he's bringing the other players down. We, we need to get rid of him. 
I went to the father. I said, I said, Father, you haven't called me in here to coach baseball. You've called me in here for something more. I said, what do you got? What do you got? He said, I need you to talk to him. And I, I need you to jump into this kid's life. That, that's why you're there. So before one tournament a couple weeks ago, pulled him aside. I said, hey, let, let, let's chat. Kind of had this look on his face. I go, all right, what do you have to say? And I told him, started off like this. I told him how much I cared about him, how much I loved him, how much God loved him, and how awesome of an athlete I thought that he was. So his eyes kind of opened up. Like, hey, here's this coach, known him a year. He's telling me he loves me, God loves me, he cares about me. Okay. So in the middle of it, I, I told him about, we talked about his behavior and his challenges and, and you know, what I knew about what's been going on in, in his life. And I said, you have an opportunity right here to choose something completely different. I talked about who he represents, himself, his parents, his family, teammates, coaches, the organization. And we went on to have a, a, a great conversation, and I ended it with, he's got a path to choose. That, that tournament, oh my gosh, it was, it, was, it was darkness to light. This kid was so happy, he was so joyful, he was playing amazing, that happened the next tournament. Now while that's a cool story, here, here, here's, here's the kicker. Because that, that picture, when that plant drops seeds, it, it can multiply, right? The coaches, the other coaches on, on the team, they saw that. They were like, oh my gosh, the difference in this kid. I can't believe it. So I was able to share my faith with the other coaches. And we, we chose a different path. That's the world closing in on us. And if we choose to take a stand and allow the, the Spirit to, to lead... There can be light. There can be light. We'll close with this. Three things. How can resiliency reside within you? One, necessity of a pure heart. Talked about a double life, renouncing secret and shameful ways. If Paul, if any of the disciples led a double life, we wouldn't be reading about him. We wouldn't be hearing about him. They would have fallen away a long time ago. If you have a longing for, for this world to be good again, I just want inflation to, to go away and I just want gas prices to go back down. If that's what you're longing for, keep longing. We don't know. You, you can't walk in, in two worlds. You can't be resilient holding on to two things. And when the world's going to change, it won't work. I want to encourage you to unplug from the world. Paul's completely unplugged from the world. He talks about his hardships, beatings, imprisonments, riots in chapter 6, sleepless nights, hunger. He says, yeah, that's what's happening, but I, I don't need to address that. I have a different ministry, one of the Holy Spirit. And we share in that. We all share in this ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's a plan and a purpose for you to be out there sharing the gospel. Can't do it if we're holding on to two things. So every, every second, minute, day, month, year that passes away, our flesh is closer and closer to death. 
But that same timeline, every second, minute, day, month, and year that passes, our spirit is closer and closer to life. One way or the other, with the Father or without the Father for eternity. Necessity of a pure heart. Second thing is benefits of suffering. If you understand the gospel, you know that power is perfected in our weakness. You guys remember years ago, I think it was two decades ago, a gentleman after first service came up to me. Biodome. Remember science created this biodome. It was a perfect environment for plants and nature and trees to to grow. But it failed because what happened, everything was perfect. Perfect conditions. And when the trees got to a certain point of height, they fell over. The reason they fell over is because in those perfect conditions, their roots weren't growing deep because there was no wind. There was no trial and challenge for those trees to overcome. So they continued to grow and they looked great, but because there was no wind trying to blow them over and they had a necessity to grow their roots deeper, they just fell right over based on the, uh, the height and that was it. Isn't that interesting? The benefits of suffering. We grow in confidence of the truth of the gospel through our trials and challenges and our suffering. But here's where we're spending too much time. Shola Richards wrote a book, Go Together, and it's about resiliency. And he said, there's three things that are preventing you from being resilient, from moving forward, from having a pure heart. Stop complaining, stop making excuses, and stop blaming others. Does that sound familiar right now? We're hearing a lot of this right now. A lot of people are complaining about gas prices and food prices and everything. Understand, it's difficult. We're making excuses as to why we can't do the things that we desire to do, why we can't be in the ministry, why we can't share the gospels, because we have all these other things that we have to take care of. Got to stop blaming others. As I looked through Corinthians and these letters, Paul never blamed others. My goodness, he could have. Paul's the number one person in line that could complain, make excuses, and blame others. You never see him do that. So if we remove these three things, complaining, making excuses, and blaming others, uh, Shola goes on to talk about you've got to replace them with three things. Remind yourself of past victories. Think about it. Every victory you've had, wasn't there a trial and challenges right before it, before you experienced that victory? Whether it's a restored relationship, a job promotion, there's always a challenge. Second, he said, view challenges as opportunities. So everything that's going on right now is opportunity for us to continue to display a message of humility in these times of darkness. They're opportunities. Man, I could have easily just cut that kid and and moved forward and nothing would have happened. But I I decided to to engage. I, I put myself out there. You know, trying to put myself in. This is where you guys are at. You're out in the community. When I'm a coach, I, I'm, I'm, I'm removed from being a pastor. I'm removed from the, the ministry. And I'm 
One of you guys, I'm just out in the neighborhood, I'm out in the community. You guys are in your, in your workplace, in, in these spots. You've got to see challenges as opportunities. You've got to ask for help. Can't do it alone. If you're alone, surrounded by the enemy, you'll fall, you'll surrender. But if, if your arm's linked as brothers and sisters in Christ, you've got to ask for help. You've got to ask for help. The title of Shola Richard's book, Go Together, he, he was in Africa for, uh, for some time, and he was um, just doing some research and studying and getting to know the people. And they approached, uh, he went to a birthday party for a 10-year-old, and he saw a pinata. He's like, oh, I recognize this. They do pinatas at, at birthday parties back in, in America, and you, and you guys know how those go here in America. As soon as the kid um, hits the pinata and explodes and candy goes everywhere, it's a war. It's a bloodbath. Kids are punching, throwing elbows, trying to get all the candy. So he was expecting the same thing. The pinata exploded, and he was expecting kids to just, boom, dive in. They didn't. He said they all grabbed hands, moved forward together, and kids were picking up candy and giving candy to each other. And he shared this story in the book, and his mind was blown. In, in this concept of, of going together, helping each other. The, the third thing, so we've talked about the necessity of a pure heart, benefits of suffering, and I'll call the band back out. The third thing, results depend on God. Our job is to sow. Our job isn't the results. I, I, I'm not going to know the results of, of, of this kid's life. I'll have him for a certain time, and he'll move on. The results are in God's hand, but my job is to sow every bit that I can. That's your job, too. We can't worry about future results if this, if that. When will the war be over? When will hunger end? When will inflation be over? When will Christianity be respected again? We don't, we don't, we're not in control of the results. That's God. Our job is to sow. And that's the beauty in this graphic, right? That, that represents us, that, that little plant right there. And, and that's a beautiful picture of the world, world around us. It's, it's broken. It, it's dry. It's upside down. It looks like there's no hope. But you, as, as that plant, that plant can benefit from the suffering and the trials and everything that's going on around it. It can continue to be watered and its roots go, grow deeper and it grow taller. And what that plant will eventually do is it'll start to drop seeds and more plants can grow, it can multiply. The more seeds you throw out, the more... The more we can multiply, the more we can be unified, the more we can come together, and the more we can be a light in these dark times. This is Paul's testimony to this ministry of the Holy Spirit. We'll close with verses 16 through 18. He says, therefore, every, after everything I've said, therefore, he says it again, we do not lose heart. We will not burn out. We will not give up. We will be resilient no matter what. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's that focus of our spirit on what's inside is that motivation to where we will never give up. No matter what happens to our outward body, we can press forward. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Father, may may we be resilient together. And may may all of us pursue righteousness, your holiness, a pure heart. Father, if there's any areas in, in, in my heart, in anyone here where there's darkness, where there is a double life, and we repent of that, and we go after a pure heart, we go after your heart, your character, Father. May we understand the benefits of trials and challenges so our roots can grow deeper and our confidence can grow in the truth of your gospel. And Father, we give over the results to you. We will continue to to, to serve through this ministry of, of the Holy Spirit. And we give you the results You are Alpha and Omega, and we trust in your ending, Father. Thank you for your strength. Move us. We love you. We say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll spend time in communion. If you didn't grab the elements, they're back here on the table. The seriousness of this body and blood. As Jesus was in that upper room with his disciples, he took this bread and he broke it, signifying his body would be broken. Our bodies will be broken. His spirit wouldn't. And that's how we can reflect. That's how we can remember. That's how we can be resilient, is we can be broken. But our spirit can be strong. He looked at his disciples. He took the bread. He broke it, saying, eat this in remembrance of me. Will you take the bread with me? Same way he took the cup. He said to his disciples, This is my blood spilled and poured out for you, for your sins. We don't have to live in shame. We don't have to live with the secret life. Jesus did away with that. We can understand that we're a new creation. Through his life, his death, his resurrection. Will you drink with me? Father, thank you. 
Thank you for the work on your cross. Your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was broken, was beaten, was crucified. But he conquered death. His spirit in victory so that we can have a right standing relationship with you for eternity. May we trust in that. May we grow in that. Thank you, Jesus. We sell these things in your name. Amen.